Support for this podcast is brought to you by David Nolan. Thank you, David. Your voice helps us bring new voices, fresh voices, and credible voices. If you like what we are doing here, if you like what we say, if you like the new perspective that we bring here, do consider supporting Mind Podcast. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mind Podcast 69.0, your weekly source for news views and analysis and analysis of news. This is Adit Kapadia, and together with me are Sunanda Vashisht and Pramod Kumar Puravalli. How are you guys? Good. How are you, Adit? Pretty good. Um, uh, recovering recovering from a relatively non-newsy week compared to the compared last to week. the last. We had a pretty big newsy week. Yeah, so that's that's the most interesting part of this week. Uh, as the United States elections ha- go into the last phase, Donald Trump finally becomes the gets the required delegates. And yes. then um, who would have thought, right, that Hillary would be the one struggling to finish to close Sanders off and Trump would have been like a month out. This has been amazing. I I initially thought Trump was a plan. I did not even think that he was a real um, candidate or he was serious about it. For a long time, I did not think he was serious. And I think that's what happened to most of American media. They did not think he was serious about it. He was serious. They gave him so much publicity because he was just bringing them good TRPs. They did not know that he is serious about it. And one day, he just um, wound up the nomination. So from a plant, he has become a tree. From a plant, he has become a tree. I think also... What happened was a lot of liberals in the U.S. thought that they could prop up Trump or like, you know, show Trump as the face of the Republican Party party, and then make it easy for Hillary or something. Mm, and happen. that has spectacularly backfired. And uh, I mean, uh, the, the funniest thing was, who was that reporter eating his own words? Yeah, it was um, I forget uh, Washington name. Post, uh, oh, yeah. Dana, Dana Milbank. Dana yeah. Milbank. He did a eight eight course or seven course dinner with you know Cuban coffee filtered with his own newspaper column or something. You should see it's a very funny video. Because he had said that he will eat his. He said Donald Trump will never be the candidate for a Republican candidate, mm-hmm. or he will eat his own words, and then he actually had to eat his own words. Irrespective of whether Hillary or Trump. Mm-hmm. Or a dark horse in Sanders emerges. Um, I think we we are going to do a survey, or are we almost the survey is up on who is the better? It will be up shortly. Right. So yeah. so we I am of the opinion that the relationship between India and uh, the US has gone to a point where everybody wants to uh, basically follow the same line. Probably Hillary will be a little bit ambivalent. She was ambivalent in the past, but today to be bombing up to Pakistan is really literally suicidal. So I don't think a pragmatic politician in Hillary will allow that to happen also. So there is certainly a chedin for the US-India relationship mm-hmm. irrespective of irrespective who, who, comes into who, power. who becomes the president. So I'm very optimistic. And, and, and interesting that. that you bring it up because next week the Prime Minister arrives in United States yeah. for a bilateral visit where he'll be uh, talking to the House of Congress. Um, and he is on a very um, huge high as far as the domestic scene is concerned um, coming back uh, from the elections where they did spectacularly well, BJP did. Uh, they won the state of Assam and they opened an account in Kerala. So these are places where BJP had never hoped to win earlier. Mm. Um, so and then these huge celebrations of second year um, Modi government in power, uh, one thing has to be given to them. Each and every minister, each and every official of the government has gone out talking about um, their achievements, what they have done. This is new in India. What UPA government used to do when they were in power, for every year they were in power, as in they used to celebrate their anniversaries, 
all you would see was photo ops of Mulayam Singh and Sonia Gandhi and this thing eating, uh, having dinner. And all you heard about was next day the newspapers would talk about what kind of food was served, what was the menu, what was the cutlery, what was the china. That's all you heard about. But Modi government and uh, people do really, um, you know, there are critics and there will be critics for everything. But um, I don't know if this is, really needs to be criticized because this really makes people part of the whole governance, going around there and saying everything that the government has done, all the schemes that the government is doing, all these, uh, all the initiatives that have been taken um, by rightly, wrongly, and making people aware so that they can criticize it or they can question them at the uh, most. And and till date, never has it happened no. that, that a report card has been read out to the public. Yeah. You know, this is what makes a big difference. difference. You know, when you had list of achievements is different when yeah. you are saying that there are 18,000 villages when we took over which did not have electricity yeah. versus now only 11,000 of those remain I'm, I'm this is where yeah. I'm headed and I'm telling you this statistics was not even known before Modi government came in power I am telling you there are a there could a reasonable number of people who did not even know that a part of India is not electrified. So now at least everyone knows that this there, there are parts of India that had never seen electric power. Uh, and, and there are th some things if people are saying that okay you know this needs to be fact checked XYZ or something you have the ministers coming out saying something probably said something last year they said something this year go out compare there are plenty of websites also which are doing you know comparison uh, uh, some of our columnists are also yeah. you know fact checking, checking. Out, fact checking and i'm and sure there will be they will find places where enough has not been done but at least this is being put in public no, um, a domain before Piyush Goyal who is also um, after uh, uh, you know a power minister he's also the minister for renewable resources his uh, predecessor was Farooq Abdullah who uh, has never spoken a word about renewable energy. Farooq Abdullah, I mean, sorry, I was on the phone when you were I talking know. about Farooq Abdullah. <laughs> uh, I, so, truly, I mean... The no no relation I, to what happened to Farooq Abdullah, I was just talking to someone. Uh, no, but a uh, quick thing, see, also when it comes to fact-checking and stuff like that, um, you, you are also seeing a very unique thing where people are also talking about a, there were schemes and what was the implementation. See, we've had that XYZ scheme key and stuff. And this is one of the biggest criticism I had for Narega, that the Congress party started tom-toming about Narega and stuff. But have they talked about like the implementation and stuff? And that is a minor criticism I have of the Modi government as well, because Narendra Modi made that passionate plea that, you know, Narega aapki rajnitik vifaltao ka ye hai. And he promised to make Narega a little more, uh, I would say, change it so that it's more beneficial. It's, you know, what has happened on that that they are going to improve but but as they say you know two two thirds is not bad so 60 to 70 percent of the times i do find the government clarifying their implementation and stuff and they're getting there to a point and this is far better than what we have seen before but coming to specific things i think for me um foreign policy has been a, a big big a plus for the government uh, well i would say an a the plus goes away because of the snafus over nepal and which could have been avoided and uh, the ambiguity over Pakistan don't jump at my throat <laughs> but yes and economics economy wise they've pre preceded or presided over interesting budgets but job creation still remains a worry um, in terms of uh, tackling corruption or stuff see that's 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 another place where there are two view streams coming out that there are of course no big ticket corruption things that we see and so forth but has anything been done to make the people who were accused of corruption or something 
you know has any action been taken against them it i will i will tell you if we are really going to do a report card it is a little bit um, difficult because whom are we comparing with the upa 1 and 2 governments uh, more so the upa 2 governments were so atrocious that you can't even go yeah. back to a matrix hmm. that states that uh, you know in terms of job creation in terms of i mean the far, the last 3 years of the upa 2 administration was so bad yeah. the gdp had already fallen to an abysmal uh, you mm-hmm. know level plus more importantly your growth had become such a negative talk how could you have uh, contemplated a growth so bringing back the confidence yeah. i would say that is the biggest uh, contributor uh, in this I two mean. years is to let the people know that there's a working government a responsible and sensitive government and a government that actually listens and i, I i'm borrowing from your uh, uh, this thing on the show with um, uh, the minister jain sinha is you know they are listening and they are also trying to improve themselves which well, is being very modest yeah, modest yeah and, and uh, this that's a lot more than you can say for the previous government very arrogant oh, absolutely in terms of accessibility i mean you of course did a show where you point uh, pointed out you know the the good things and the bad things that you felt on on twitter also you can you're questioning and the ministers are responding to yeah. criticism criticism and so forth uh, sushma swaraj has taken it to completely different, different level, level on twitter and so has suresh prabhu yeah. i have i mean if someone responded and you know ki yahan pe ye nahi ho raha hai railway minister actually responds in middle of the night if somebody is in trouble in some remote area in some village he responds immediately now that is a new a, a new phenomenon a new phenomenon yeah. so so that that are i mean are, this whole thing that we have had since british raj ki sarkar is something that exists somewhere in stratosphere and you don't know where it is that thing has broken and all credit to narendra modi and i criticize him um, terribly when i do and i'll probably do it in next segment but as far as accessibility is concerned i don't think i can criticize him oh no accessibility with the people now of course media management is a second bogey that me and you sunandar itching to <laughs> go go after but uh, that's that's a secondary issue but primarily i think i agree with pramod on this that it's very hard to set a benchmark you because if you set a benchmark about what they promised then you have to give 5 years you cannot judge in 2 years if you set a benchmark upa2 as the benchmark of course you know they have done far far better and investor confidence and also what tavleen uh, we did uh, two interviews with tavleen singh and shalini singh about the modi government's performance you know senior journalists what they think tavleen said an interesting point that the the aura associated with the office of the prime minister that had diminished where you were not sure if the prime minister was the controlling factor or determining factor that ambiguity has completely gone there is no dual power center you know that the prime minister is accountable for his decision and he is the one making the decision absolutely and plus aligning the aspiring people of india which are into a burgeoning middle class to get them um, better opportunities never happened during upa2 it was descending towards left of left they are trying to balance balance that i mean left of left you mean towards mamta mm-hmm. <laughs> nowhere nowhere <laughs> so talking about modi at 2 and modi government nda at 2 um, uh, we were talking about um, that uh, it uh, modi government gets a plus in reaching out and his ministers um, Uh, completely taking out that whole uh, inaccessibility out of the framework. Uh, 
which is good. Now we come back to uh, come to the meat of the matter, <laughs> you know, the real issue. Um, what has been worrying and a lot of op-eds this week have been about um, Modi the real reformer or um, is he somebody who is just a very good manager? This has been the gist of most articles. Atish Tasir, whose mother Tavleen Singh wrote for us and gave him a reasonable grade in Mind Makers, but her son Atish Tasir in New York Times did not give Modi a very um, good grade. So that is, I don't know if they will talk about it in the uh, on the dining table, but we'll talk about it here. And um, then I also saw Economist and Wall Street Journal and all these things. They're saying that Modi is just, uh, Milan Vashnav, I think very famously, he said that he is just a very good CEO. He will manage stuff very well. He will make sure that there is no corruption. He will streamline everything. But he is not a disruptor. He is not a dismantler. He is not going to dismantle your, and their favorite thing is that when is until and unless Modi does not dismantle Indian um, Air India or does not privatize railways, they feel that he is not a reformer that they had thought he would be. So the question really, I'm putting it out for um, on the table right now is, is Modi a free market um, person or is he just um, someone no, always, or is he a socialist at heart? I, I wrote in eight years ago um, that Narendra Modi is an Indonomist. Hmm. Vivek Dehejia wrote a big book about the concept of Indian economics yeah. uh, and what it means uh, to Indian uh, context which hmm. is basically to get some elements of uh, free market, get hmm. some elements of uh, state control and mix and match it to the better uh, for the betterment of India. That is what it is. It's basically protecting India's interests in whatever way you can. Air India cannot be privatized and I have always been saying this that a country of our size with 130 uh, crore people or 1.3 billion people has 486 airports of which only 86 airports are in use with maybe one or two flights a day. Uh, and the, the problem with India with the railways uh, not being able to cater to the uh, basically to such a wide variety of such uh, population, uh, roads are not uh, really up to the mark you can only uh, continue to in, uh, improve on an infrastructure where private carriers will make a lot of uh, inroads. Air India, once it gets privatized or some Tata or somebody comes and acquires it, there will never be a chance of uh, Indian government which has thrived in these past 25 years mm -hmm. with the money that came in and uh, uh, from the expats, mm -hmm. people like us who have saved in India, earned here. Uh, that will basically, you will never have a mechanism or a vehicle that at any point in time somebody calls you from Kuwait, you know, or ca calls you from Oman, calls you from anywhere else, Singapore, and you have to evacuate a huge body of population. That cannot happen without a private carrier. Stop you right there. Do you think all these um, free market proponents don't understand the Indian? Um, reality so well, um, well at all. So they should take out this, um, uh, you know, this yardstick of privatizing Air India and railways. That's not going to no, happen let, at all. Let them dare to debate and suggest certain things to Bernie Sanders first. We will talk about America tom-toms itself to be a capitalist mm -hmm. and free market nation. Social security is a socialist scheme. Mm -hmm. Medicare, Medicaid is a socialist Education scheme. Is a Education socialist is completely socialist. socialist. 
free promote sounds like bill maher right Haan, now, because this is exactly what he says that america is used to socialism Sorry, it is it has been a quasi socialist state socialism means state control cannot be avoided yeah. certain things only the government can take care elected mm-hmm. representatives can take care it has to be refined because corruption does set in automatically yeah. there is no question mm-hmm. about it air india indian railways some of the gargantuan corporations that are required for indian oil will, which will be able to create much more quicker employment in large numbers than these greedy privateers profiteers is required that is where the biggest folly no, of the minute you say greedy uh, profiteers i will you'll have to take that back yeah. not not really i mean let's not equate capitalism to greed that that no, makes us i am talking uh, about crony capitalism that sets in in certain key sectors of the society and every time the structural deficiency of the modi government is it is not able to convince private people to create the number of jobs that is required to cater to the population what will modi do now i have a this very simple one line structure. answer to this and other you huh. can jump in then and my simple answer is a country the size of india and the country with the um, poverty levels as of india because india does not exist in um, delhi and um, mm. bombay mm. south delhi and south bombay there is more of india than that a country of that size and with the pop- with the um, poverty ratio as that we cannot completely get rid of the socialist base of our economy as much and this is not something i'm promoting i would love it to be a capitalist economy but i don't think we are ready for it i don't think it will we can, have, uh, it will have to it. continue to be a smartly run welfare state and i'll tell you why uh, it has about 700 to 800 million middle class hmm. and uh, still about 300 million people below the poverty line and very few people that are above the uh, middle class and the b- below poverty line so for such a disparate society where the levels of income uh, difference is so so huge to create mass employment other than public enterprises which are run efficiently hmm. that is what modi should be doing is to basically expand the public sector undertaking i was Uh, the way that he has done that in gujarat i was just coming to that see when a lot of people say disruptor right was he a disruptor when he was the chief minister of gujarat no he was not he was at his core competence and surjit bhalla said that and i have quoted him before his core competence was deliver delivery and making sure ki jo existing system hai of delivery streamlining it dealing directly with the bureaucrats bahut kam hota tha ki the cm would go sometimes even supersede the ministers and go to the bureaucrats directly ke tumhe kahan problem hai you know it will be solved and you know there are legendary of the record stories about how these interactions would happen and uh, i'm not going to repeat those over the podcasts very interesting ones by the way and positive ones but right now right now in terms of economic reforms what what is the first priority now when it when you're talking about rail and stuff this he himself has said that the government probably owns the tracks the government should not own the trains running on the tracks uh, in terms of freight jaise yahan pe you have the union pacific railroad bnsf and so forth something like that can be thought of in india as well the government does not have to be completely in you know running the uh, the trains and so forth i in terms of air india uh, i have for long advocated a british airways kind of model but i do appreciate the point that you raised that probably britain does not have the same amount of expats living in outside like india especially does. the middle east yes yeah, especially the, the middle east, east which is a tinderbox so for coming back to the failures of modi government we have all talked about the positives mm. and i would like to talk about a few glaring uh, structural problems that they will be facing moving forward which is 
with the uh, the inaction on banking system because right now last i saw on economic times the sbi state bank of india the big behemoth and my mother used to work for sbi also uh, is sitting on such a huge tranche of non performing assets that it is uh, it is just impossible to digest but then they can't act against the state bank of india which is uh, a, a public icon but national bank just gave put in so many losses was it 5000 they are going to bail them out uh, rbi is going to pump 15000 crores bank into the market to try to get some liquidity which is basically cash mm. the, the companies a banking com- uh, organizations are short on cash so P- rbi is taking the money back away and putting it back into the banking system this is a very big structural problem that if he does not address it make an example of punjab national bank syndicate bank or all of these really um, uh, organizations that have the gone over, that have gone over the percentage of nps there usually banks are dictated that if you have nps more than 6 to 10% you have to basically go after them big time like what they are doing with vijay malya the problem is unrest that will happen in indian people if banks like because these are institutions but sbi or punjab national bank go no, down no no you guys are talking about create six mega banks why do you need so many public sector banks i think that is happening now uh, did you see uh, uh, sbi taking like, over yeah. the but you, you guys are talking about a larger thing i mean or well, probably smaller the, things one larger picture i want to do is get an indication about where he wants this economy to go i find a lot of confusion about you know and of i am not the one who sets everything store by the budget but on many issues i find the, the them like going in completely different directions and sometimes contrary to each other unfortunately prime minister narendra modi does not have in his cabinet i am not talking about himself in his own cabinet people who have created jobs this is one of the big failures i keep pointing about show me one minister who has created more than 100 jobs in you mean prior to this uh, prior to joining the ministry or politics they don't know how to create jobs nitin gadkari gadkari in, in a cooperative sector mm-hmm. not in a private or a public sector and, and can i cooperative say sector is one of the create. most successful ones mm-hmm. right now ha at least at least that is why that that experience is reflecting in the 41 kilometers per uh, day that he is promising yeah. that he will build that means he has that experience and knack of getting money from the market mm. you know creating special purpose vehicles they don't have it unfortunately and that is what he is dealing with right now and can i say the one thing about nitin gadkari is very impressive also because you know I've come from that background that in spite of all the problems that they faced with land acquisition and we said why that bill was necessary but we also criticized that it was probably too hasty for them to go uh, for it or something in spite of all the problems he's still going ahead in making the highways see highway expansion or road expansion i mean in anywhere in the world is difficult in 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 india it's almost a nightmare the biggest to boldest do step he should be doing is to get an anand mahindra or a tata to become a minister for the sake of the country they will be willing to do that i i don't know who suggested this before the election but someone suggested getting somebody from the financial sector to become a minister or the finance minister or something someone from the no at least industry. the industry is minister yeah. the problem i'll tell you as a person who who runs a business also the problem is that a government that wants to do business also wants business to uh, uh, continue uh, flourishing does not understand the scale at which they have to create jobs before we get to our uh, next topic 
um, I do want to say that this is MindMakers production. This Mind podcast is brought to you by the MindMakers team. This uh, podcast is produced and edited by Adit Kapadia with the help of our team in India. The panelists for the um, podcast are Adit Kapadia, Pramod Kumar Buravalli and Sunanda Vashisht, which is me. So they need change at that uh, industries ministry. They also need a change of law minister. I am hearing murmurs that Dr. Swami might be brought in to effect uh, certain... Your sources uh, again. Uh, uh, no, that is what I am being It's not the sources in told. the Congress. It's the sources uh, in BJP now? Uh, because sources in Congress do not talk about Dr. Swami. Uh, the, uh, nobody in Congress talks I'm about I am pretty sure in 24 Akbar Road they said, uh, Sonia ji, he who must not be named has spoken again. <laughs> So, the man with no face. Uh, what I am seeing is that there is a very big necessity that course correction has to be made. A reshuffle is on uh, cards and Amit Shah this morning huh. also said that a reshuffle will happen soon. It has to happen for a big political reason also which mm -hmm. is bringing in Dr. Swami is very important because of the complete overreach by the judiciary these days into mm -hmm. every matter including matters of faith. Mm -hmm. Earlier they used to not comment, they used to stop some place. Now for everything they have a commentary which is basically bordering on uh, trying to stifle the executive into uh, you know towing their lines. There is the judiciary so has Court to be has put an in opinion its place. About everything. Um, the other day <clears throat> I think they also sing um, about the um, uh, spreading of this mosquito repellent. If they really care about the society they should quit their uh, oh plus jobs contest elections and be part of the uh, overall political Jaitley, process. I agree with that. I agree. There are four four pillars. The executive, the administration and the judiciary have to work in tandem, not uh, trying to uh, you know, stifle the other. Now, I have to, ah. one, one interesting point in this. See, this probably started a little bit more when we had the weak government at the center and a lot of people at that time welcomed it. Correct. When S.H. Kapadia was the just, mm. Justice Kapadia, a little bit before Justice Kapadia, uh, in 2011-2012. Um, it has gone on as a trend so far. Now, probably the judiciary, a lot of them were used to commenting or had seen that, you know, the, their predecessors had commented and stuff. So, irrespective of what is happening with the government change or something, this this is what is taking no, place. No, as a media, we should call it call them out. Absolutely. I, I don't think we should give them a free pass. No, no, I'm not giving a free pass. I'm just contextualizing or just telling, giving yeah. a context to why this started. I'm In fact, I remember, Pramod, me and you actually sparred during the NJAC debate that we had because I am a firm believer that there should be an NJC and the, there should be political representation on the panel that selects the judges. It should not be like America also arbitrarily like the, the president selecting. Of course, here UVB has the Senate and the Congress has to vote on the Supreme Court judges. But I, I rather than that have a voice. Whether whether it is a Hindutva decision, whether it is a decision <laughs> to uh, talk straight with the Supreme Court of India, I think it may, it is prudent to bring Dr. Swami as a law minister. Uh, and and I, I feel that very big changes have to be made before the UP elections. If they don't do it, they are sitting very... Uh, you know, very coy, they, they think everything is rosy, it's not. And a point about the UP elections as well, I mean, it's probably an open state secret that uh, the UP unit of the BJP has probably 10,000 factions. So, I mean, of course, I'm exaggerating, but many factions. If they don't get that together and if they don't get a face for the UP election, which can counter Mayavati and of course Akhilesh, then they are in deep trouble. Achha, before before we get to the next part, and our our part is going to be uh, before we talk about we're going to talk about a little bit of the news of the week, and then go to Veer Savarkar uh, because it's Veer Savarkar's jayanti today, and we just wanted to have a quick discussion on him. Uh, <laughs> Amar Singh is back in Samajwadi Party. 
I think we talked. Did we talk about it last week? I, I'm, I'm not sure. You did mention. Ah, it. we did mention it. And then uh, Ram is Ram Jethmalani. exactly Ram Jethmalani might get a Rajya Sabha seat. That's With the I, I, if if that is true, I mean he's chosen the best way to power fight corruption, right? By siding with the convicts. This is, um, you know, there are, um, you know, funny moments in every uh, situation. So this is, you know, how, how after every in Shakespeare and um, mm. tragedy, in middle of this great thing, there would be some comic interlude. Mm. So Ramchet Malani has unfortunately reduced himself to a comic interlude. And oh. um, Amar Singh was always a comic interlude. There was nothing more serious about him. And oh. um, so he just... But it will be interesting to see P. Chidambaram in the Rajya Sabha. And Kapil somebody... Sabha, Ramram, Kapil Sibyl, and who's the third person who's going to... And they have three other leaders also, I, I, forgot, I forget their so names. So the three stalwarts of Sonia Ji are back. Well, Jairam Ramesh was always there in the Rajya Sabha, but yeah, Kapil but Sibyl... Um, Jairam Ramesh, Kapil Sibyl, and... Um, so you can see interesting Chidamra. debates in the Rajya Sabha with Dr. Swami and Arun Jaitley on one side, uh, and all of these other uh, luminaries from the Congress also on, other on side. the other side. So Rajya Sabha is going to be... The TRPs for Rajya Sabha TV are going to be... Uh, yeah, and that's the way it should be. It has that is the way it has become very stable. And um, House of Elders, as it is called, or the upper yeah. house, that is where it should, you know, the debates and that is how it was conceived. Yeah, yeah a certain stature was associated with the Rajya Sabha. Rajya Sabha. So, because even like we were talking about Ambedkar, right? When Ambedkar lost the Lok Sabha elections, I think uh, the Congress government or led by Nehru nominated him to the Rajya Sabha, if I'm not mistaken. But some, uh, but anyways, um, that uh, as a compromise, as a, uh, yeah, uh, it was just interesting. So even then, you know, you had the stalwarts in the Rajya Sabha. Uh, coming to the second part of this discussion, and um, this is the most interesting part, I feel. Uh, the legacy of Veer Savarkar or Vinayak Damodar Savarkar, a uh, freedom fighter um, who was sentenced to solitary confinement in for 12 years in Kalapani. Um, a very interesting uh, legacy. Interesting if you view it from one side of you, controversial if you view it from the other side. Uh, and, and there is nothing controversial no, about. No, it's uh, not. Again, I know. No, I know what you're going to yeah, it's, it's not. My, I'm, I'm no, not no, saying no, it's no, controversial. No. I'm saying the other side says it's controversial. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I want to appear is Manishankarayar, like Manishankarayar. Um, but much hotly debated and I don't think fairly debated. Yeah. It's It's been very, uh, it's, it's been juxtaposed with many things that might not necessarily be, you know, true. And uh, they have just taken probably five events of their choosing and kind of merged them together and built an entire legacy which probably is not doing justice to him. Yeah, because then uh, they, uh, one could do the same about other uh, stalwarts and uh, I'm a, I, I have a lot of respect for Mahatma Gandhi as all of you know. Bapu, I um, think he's one of the greatest Indians and I know I will get trolled for this but um, I always stand up for what I believe but at the same time if I were to take only five things out of his character and I were not to look at his entire um, life which is a history in itself I could demonize him or put him on a pedestal either way can happen so it is lack of nuance leads to this and lack of education and lack of awareness uh, leads to such straight jacketing of such fine individuals whether you agree with Gandhi or not whether you agree with Savarkar or not you cannot say that these are not remarkable individuals who have graced Indian um, you know Indian polity Indian system so they least they deserve is a nuanced discussion and the, a lack of debate also see Sa to put just and Savarkar was a 
very passionate about Hindutva, but just to put the entire career, political career as a prisoner and so, and just to narrow it around one term Hindutva that he defined would be unfair to him. Yeah. I mean, you can support what he said, you can disagree with what he said, but there are plenty of things. So Pramod, but whatever you can say before Pramod comes in, there is one thing I will fervently, fervently just um, oppose on this show and I will always uh, do so. Um, all those people who call him a traitor, they are doing no justice to a man of his stature. Agreed. He was anything but a traitor. Nobody, I think he was one of the finest sons of India. I agree with Sunanda on this, absolutely. And Savarkar's uh, history is to be studied much more in detail because uh, the later part of his life, which is from the time of the Quit India movement all the way till his uh, uh, passing, passing away, away in 1966. So almost 25 years he had, he had become very quiet. He had kind of... Uh, withdrawn himself. He was doing a lot of talks, he was mm -hmm. just going and, uh, and writing. Because writing he was essentially also. a poet. So, but the, the, the history of before 1942, before the Quit India movement, all the way leading to his participation in um, activities in the India House, he had enrolled in what is the what is called the famous Grace Inn. Mm. This is a yeah. law degree yeah. Uh, yeah. in 19, um, you know, I think 19, uh, um, I guess 1904 or 1905. And that was the time when the country had already been electrified by two great personalities in Swami Vivekananda on one side mm -hmm. and Bal Gangadhar Tilak and his Garam Dal, which is the Lal Bal Pal combination. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had gone and enrolled and there was this uh, uh, fraternity, uh, as we know here in the US, called the India House, which had Madan Lal Dingra and all of these revolutionary mm -hmm. people who were gathering and talking about free India. And he started a journal, he started different uh, sort of guru group. And uh, he had started contacting the French. This, were, this had only happened 100 years prior when Indian rulers who were fighting the British yoke were actually contacting the French and the Dutch and the other foreign powers to try to get assistance, military yeah. assistance. And uh, uh, in one of these aborted attempts to escape British, uh, uh, you know, he was actually imprisoned, he was being taken back to India. He jumped ship in Marseille, in Spain, yeah. and um, he thought that he would swim towards um, uh, France. And uh, unfortunately, what had happened, this French betrayed him and handed him over back to the British. Mm -hmm. This is what he tried to do. And he was sentenced to 50 years in uh, prison, 5-0. He spent 11 of years of that uh, uh, term in uh, Kalapani, you know, the cellular jail in Andaman yeah. Nicobar. And in solitary confinement, that would break it's anybody. Unbelievable. He was not even given years. a pen and a paper to write. And by the time he came out and wrote a, a, a plea that he will not uh, engage in activities, mm -hmm. but this was the standard procedure to come out. Everybody had he to wanted out. to survive for India. This was not that he wanted to... He and this is he, what people hold against him and it is very sad. Ma what did Mahatma Gandhi what do? Exactly. No, exactly, and, exactly. And what we were discussing before that also, the way he was treated, were all political prisoners treated the same way? Yeah. Or were they not? No. Um, other than uh, Nehru wrote all his books in um, prison. Clearly, everything was, and I'm not, and as, as we, we held a discussion on Nehru, and I have a very, we had a very nuanced discussion on Nehru, uh, but the fact is, yeah, the fact is that Nehru was treated like a political prisoner should be treated. They are no criminals, but that is not true for a host of everyone, uh, the others, who were not close to the British Empire. So was Nehru treated that way because he was close to the British Empire? Can one insinuate that? And and the legacy seekers within the Congress that have continued like the Manishankar Ayers and who, yeah. have, who tend to exalt their 
their uh, pantheon to such a level and at yet at the same time demean the others this Man, is what see, i manishankar has really, a problem ye hai na he's like that those the courtier who's more loyal than the king like why would he, uh, uh, jatin das you know he died 67 um, days um, so he yeah. fasting after 67 days with he died Singh and others. With, you know so this is this is important that we look at his legacy in a refined way so the biggest criticism about uh, Uh, Veer Savarkar has been that he became very passive after being released in 1921, and I and think civil disobedience was, was launched after the incident in Chauri Chowra in 1921. But even if he was broken down Let by me. 12 years of solitary confinement, why is that to be held against him? No, it is. It cannot be held against him because yeah. it is baseless. Because he felt that the Hindu society had become so weak that unless it had, it can, it can become strengthened at a societal level, at a political level, at a cultural level, you cannot wage a war. In fact, he he derided the Quit India movement. Yeah. He called the Quit India movement Quit India, but keep your army movement, which mm-hmm. means he asked Indians to fight and keep your uh, arm uh, preparation because mm-hmm. a soldier becomes rusty if he doesn't uh, participate mm-hmm. in uh, um, you know uh, military activities. so he said that quit india movement was basically a fake call and actually to to the, to be honest quit india movement fizzled out yeah it started yeah. in 1942 it uh, said all of these things uh, after 6 months it fizzled out now the militarization which subhashchandra bose actually imbibed that uh, in a different manner not from the hindutva perspective but Uh, did uh, lead to the downfall of the uh, british empire in india because the the kind of mutinies that were happening the soldiers that were well trained so many millions of indian troops that fought yeah. came back were well trained were ready to overthrow if there was a foreign power like soviet union or somebody that gave us military help going back to savarkar's legacy of 1921 after being released to 1947 what happened was he was trying to establish hindu mahasabha as an alternate political movement yeah and the precursor to janasang was hindu mahasabha uh, its Absolutely. vice president became the first president of janasang mm-hmm. shama yeah. prasad mukherjee so that is the legacy of veer savarkar today if you you say that there are things that modi is bringing to the table it is because of veer savarkar absolutely i think that you have summed it really well you've summed it really well and i think all those who um, deride savarkar for no reason uh, they really don't understand his legacy quite well they haven't read quite well and it's not their fault our books don't talk about savarkar as much i haven't read about savarkar in my books at all because he was he was called a terrorist and he was called all those um, uh, you know it's it's really sad. but as i said in the beginning of, uh, you know of this segment as well that uh, people who call him traitor are only reflecting what they are no and also you have to understand that the legacy builders have been very unjust to people who don't form uh, or don't have their own narrative in building yeah. a legacy of the nehru gandhi family yeah. uh, it's the harsh truth mm-hmm. and savarkar probably did not my only criticism though in on part of the people who are probably you know favorable towards savarkar and stuff would be document and talk more and more about him yeah. write about him and write about him in an objective manner yeah. you, if you if you if you think you are if you if you think you don't agree with 10% of what he says or even 50% of what he says he had say many follies i will I tell you the follies yeah. next time of veer savarkar yeah. no, but at the same time to deny his greatness <laughs> exactly that's what i said in the beginning that, also, if you uh, even though i consider mahatma gandhi a great indian i can count 50 follies right now Absolutely. i regret yeah. 
uh, as to the role Beer Sawar could, uh, could have played in independent India, he just took a back, back seat after independence until the time he passed away for 20 years. 20 years. He could have done so many other things except write for right. And, and but that, that needn't that needn't have probably have been with the Congress Party also. It could no, have been done out. Outside. It could have been done outside. It is well. iconic figure. Yes. So yes. and and that is the thing. And and uh, wonder why you know his story is almost lost to many. But I have to say a very interesting step. Amit Shah, I think, uh, lit a lamp in Port Blair or something yeah, like today. Yeah. It was a very inter- good gesture and stuff. And yeah. 11 years in that one prison. Just, you know, pause for a think minute. About think about just it. Just go and search on uh, YouTube about Kalapani and that cellular jail. Yeah. He was imprisoned for 11 years, yes. guys. If you if you ever uh, hear Manishankar Ayer's utterances on Veer Savarkar, before you hit play on that video, please look up a jail. 11 years. Think about and, how many days that Remember, uh, our so-called celebrities of freedom movement were never sent to Kalapani. Mm. Um, uh, Nehru, as much as I regard him as another one of the greatest sons of India, was never given the kind of punishment that all these people had. So keep when you talk about something, have a perspective. Don't just go around Absolutely. shooting your mouth. Yeah, have a perspective on it. And that's a very interesting podcast very interesting way to end this week's podcast will be uh, please like us on facebook follow us on twitter we'll be back with podcast 70.0 next week with more news views and analysis are we, aren't we doing any recommendations today oh, oh i came prepared he's prepared today. he is prepared <laughs> look at that I, I i i will pause for recommendations then go for it promote the book that veer savarkar wrote which is called the Indian War of Independence. This is the war of first independence in 1857. He wrote a book. He did? I did not know this. You can find it. Please do it. I I have heard of this book. Say it again. Say the name again. The Indian War of Independence. This is by Vivinayak Kadamudar Savarkar. My uh, social studies professor when I was in ninth grade, he he taught me. Actually, I, I owe a lot to a lot of what I know about all these people to him because our textbooks were so inadequate in telling this. Yeah. So uh, the, he actually would take me aside and tell me about this. He was the one who, uh, uh, you know, principles of Panchil when they talk that, oh, the China backstabbed us. He's like, he was the first one to tell because we were idiots <laughs> to trust them. So it was very interesting. Anyways, Sunanda, your recommendation for this week? My recommendation is always about music because I just of uh, course such a, uh, this thing about music. But I do. Uh, I watched. Um, I revisited um, this movie called Morning Raga, which was made by Sanjay Tatani's uh, Mahesh Tatani. Sorry, Sanjay Tatani is a colleague of mine. But uh, <laughs> Mahesh Tatani, um, Mahesh Tatani, the playwright, he wrote the film and he uh, directed also. It's a English Telugu film. It was made in English and was made in Telugu as well because the film is set in Andhra. It's set in a very small village in Andhra and it is about a, a classical um, uh, musician called Swarnalata and her um, all the, everything. Anything more, I will. Uh, Tell you, I will be telling you the story and I don't want to do that. But go watch Morning Raga and just listen to how Bombay Jayashree has sung there and how well Shabana Azmi has emoted. So um, that's a movie I would really recommend. In Those who understand Telugu could watch it in Telugu. I watched it in English, Morning Raga. Very interesting recommendation. And actually, I, I she sent me a link to the Shabana Azmi uh, song and stuff. And I was amazed how she got the nuances so yeah. correctly. 
महागणपतिम हाँ एक्चुअली आई 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 वेंट बैक टू एन ओल्ड क्लासिक यू कैन से व्हेन इंडिया वाज रिकवरिंग और स्टिल इन इट्स सोशलिस्ट फेज जागते रहो राज कपूर आई वाज आई वाज एक्सेलेंट एक्सेलेंट मूवी अगेन सीप्ड विथ अ लॉट ऑफ दोज इन्यूएंडोज अविरल कपूर एक्चुअली रोट दैट बॉलीवुड इन फिफ्टीज ऑन माइंड मेकर सोशलिस्ट प्रोजेक्ट यू नो हाउ द सेट इज ऑलवेज प्रिंटिंग कैश बैड गाय एंड स्टफ बट जस्ट वॉच it for raj kapoor's acting he just acts with his eyes the entire movie yeah. and the hypocrisy he watched very interesting movie i have a lot of criticism and of course uh, lata's magical jago mohan pyare in the end is beautiful rendition of that bhajan oh, that so and lata mangeshkar i could listen to her any day every day whenever <laughs> so uh, anyways now we finally end this podcast mm-hmm. on it uh, we'll be back next week uh, do keep writing to us thank you